Okay, so you know that band P.O.D.? They're like from like, they're like a new metal band. We are, we are. Right, right. Which, nation. which I thought they were really, when I was like in middle school and really into new metal, um, you know, I liked like Rage Against the Machine and uh, Limp Biscuit and heavy shit, you know? And uh, I thought that P.O.D. was cringe. Okay, I thought that they were cringe. Yeah. But more but more recently when I'm like you know going through the nostalgia, you know, I love new metal playlist on Apple Music or whatever and POD comes on, I'm like, "Oh, dude, this these guys fuck for real." Mm-hmm. And uh and but they're always but they're from South San Diego. They're from Southtown in San Diego. And they're like I don't know, man. They're if you look at a picture of them, they're like I you can't tell like they're super multicultural like I don't know if they're like like uh, like uh, Pacific Islander and like Mexican and stuff. I think but they're, they're always next. Yeah, I think I think you might be right. <laughs> and and, and they but they're constantly talking about. They're like, here come the boys from the south, and right. like to them, they're like referencing the south, like South San Diego, like there wasn't a whole entire fucking part of the country that was called the south. You know, yeah, and I was yeah. just thinking about like these like cholo guys like wearing the stars and bars and being like, "We'll rise again, essay." <laughs> <laughs> Bro, I love I love that shit. I was telling yeah. David the other day that like one of my favorite aesthetic juxtapositions is when like black people wear Confederate flags and like shit like that. Yeah, that that is sick, dude. Did you see that? Did you see that? Um post from like the guy who's like running for like governor of like there's like a black guy who's like running for governor of like Virginia i love that post or yeah, south carolina great. or something yeah and he he's like, like he's like tearing up a sticker, sticker off. <laughs> that he obviously put up <laughs> but like what was so great about it is the video is about a minute and a half and the first part is him saying we don't we don't tolerate this kind of shit here and then it's a minute of him tr- trying to peel the sticker off of a stop sign or something like that and yeah. then when he gets it, he does this like clap, 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 like justice yeah. has been served. It was it was hilarious. I'm totally for the polit- like political theater that we're in right now. I, yeah. I, one of the best things that Trump did was usher in this era of WWE promo politician totally. video because you have that big girl in the red dress with like the Glock on her hip. And, you know, you oh, have yeah. uh, this one black dude who apparently lit the Confederate flag on fire while smoking weed in his promo video. Um, this is what it should be, because this is getting yeah. really close to just having politicians wrestle each other, which. I yeah. Think and that, tight. that would be so tight. I was just thinking about this video. So I, I kind of go against the grain a little bit because I know that he for like the entire Trump regime, he had Trump. Like, what do they call that? Trump retardation syndrome or derangement syndrome or whatever. Yeah, derangement syndrome. But Michael, but I just like, I just like can't get enough of Michael Rappaport. Like, I think he's great. And he had a video where he was like standing on the streets of New York and like taking a self-shot video. And he was like, he's like, you know, uh, somebody was trying to talk to me about all this. Or he's like, I'm sick of the political correctness and the cancel culture. And then he gets hit with a snowball. And he's just like. And, and somebody yells at him. They're like, shut the fuck up. And uh, and it's so obvious that it was staged. Right. Um, you know, right. But I, and, I he's, do like- and he goes like he was like, who did that? 
Yeah, why, yeah. why is this happening? <laughs> <laughs> I was watching um, I was watching Poetic Justice the other day. Like the, it's like a single John Singleton movie with Tupac and Janet Jackson. Oh yeah, yeah, classic. And, and Michael Rappaport makes a makes a cameo, like a really brief cameo in it. And I was just like shouting at my TV in my alone in my apartment, just being like, "Yes!" There was a really <laughs> good crime movie with Michael Rappaport in it. From the- uh, Copland, right? That um, I'm not thinking of Copland, but that is a good one. It is a good one. I'm trying to. I'm I'm looking at his uh, like filmography here. Wait, this is in reverse order. Who does that? Only rap. You know, he puts it in reverse order. I can't find the one. Maybe I'm thinking of something (laughs) else. Well, he was in The Sixth Day, which I was surprised. The clone, the Arnie clone. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I keep I keep wondering. I need to look this up now. Okay, so it's Spottiswood because that the sixth day is just like reminds me so heavily of a Verhoeven movie that I mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I thought it might have been there. But Ill Town, that's what I was trying to think of. Yeah, What's it Ill, called? Ill, Ill Town. That's What's where I'm name? from. It's not. Yeah, it's, yeah, uh... yeah. Yeah, I was gonna say this is my that's that's my biography. <laughs> it, was, it was the first appearance of Oscar Isaac, also. Nice, but yeah, it was uh, directed by Nick Gomez. the The early nineties oh, were, I think, like the perfect, you know, time for uh, for these kind of like crime movies. Right? Absolutely, like, the nineties. Uh, yeah, I agree. All of these, like, um, sometimes I call them middling, like the middling crime movie or like the middling um, mm-hmm. erotic thriller or whatever. Like they just hit different in the nineties, you know? Yeah, like Jade, and uh, yes. I'm trying to think of like some some other ones. Sliver. The, oh, dude, I whacked off to Sliver. I like. Yeah, well, a, Sharon Stone looks amazing in it, and uh, yeah. and like um, <laughs> and the scenes with um, what is that? Stephen Baldwin. William Baldwin. William Baldwin. Oh, yeah. Billy. Okay, so yeah, William Baldwin, yeah. and they're like working. She's she's like never like he's like introducing her to weight machines. Like they were new, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> dude, I saw this crazy weight machine on Instagram that basically measures how hard you're pulling on the weight and then it adds more weight to it as you pull it it's like it's oh, a sick. smart it's like a smart bowflex which i thought was super sick it's like four grand but you know once we start raking in podcast bucks it's the first thing i'm buying is yeah, absolutely the, do you, do you guys work out? ai smart uh i worked out i got pretty jacked about a year ago but i have not worked out since my son was born so yes. i'm back to being like uh, dad literally dad bod I have dad bod now. That's yeah, how it happens. Yeah. It was, I was looking good. I'll send you some pics. Dude, I, 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 I mean, I've, good. I, I don't know. I saw some pics of you on, on Twitter and I was like, Jesus Christ, he's a Chad. I am a Chad. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Chad dead. Yeah. Well, thank you. And then, oh. and then Kelby gives off major like Lothario vibes. Mm, mm-hmm. And you, you know, know what I love about Kelby too, is that he does, but like, he's a family guy who like, is he really? Who like loves yeah. his wife. Yeah. Oh, that's cool, man. Yeah, I'm crazy about it. Well, yeah, no. I'm an incel. <laughs> <laughs> I literally am. I'm an involuntary. I'm involuntarily celibate and have been for the last five years. Have you thought about uh, hiring someone? I have thought about it, but I just I don't know. I get a little nervous. Like, sure, yeah, no, I get it. Get a little nervous. Are you saving I, it for your Maria? Oh, dude, yes, I am. In fact, 
I am, dude. You, what, hey, by the way, I was I was like cursing you, you assholes, when when I started watching this movie. I was like, these fuckers chose this movie for me. It's like so perfect. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we were yeah. arguing about who picked it because I was like, damn, David, you really made us watch a four-hour pervy movie. And he was like, you picked this movie, so yeah. I I can't remember if he's joking or if I really picked it, but. I don't remember either but oh uh by the way very appropriate for this movie which does not show its title card until an hour in but this is the agitator podcast we're talking about 2008 uh love exposure directed by sion or sion sano um and title card and our guest here today is brendan my favorite my favorite podcaster just a really nice guy he's he does a podcast called tales from the mall which is if you're listening to this you've probably been listening to tales from the mall but if not you should you should go listen to that and if not you're gay that's right (laughs) that's correct well thanks guys (laughs) thanks for having me i'm super stoked yeah man um so yeah so love exposure do we have any sort of initial thoughts about this movie we could start with brendan oh i mean i'm i was this movie is so good and i was just absolutely impressed because it's like it's just like it's the way a movie should be you know it's it's uh, imaginative like just crazy imaginative and uh and 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 entertaining you know because there's so many el- they, they put so many elements in it that it's just like a big screen i mean it is four hours you know mm-hmm. so it is an epic and but they also just it's not like um a four hour like uh, hypnotic you know like slow burn you know it's just like packed with mm-hmm. action and it's like a comic book almost on in in movie form and it's uh and it's really funny and really moving and i was like already like not very far into the movie and i was already like crying because like they use beethoven mm-hmm. and anytime i hear beethoven in a, in a movie like i just like start to like cry like a woman um, but I was, I, I mean, I was just like impressed, you know, I, I didn't know anything about it. I didn't know it. I don't know much about contemporary Japanese cinema, but this is a high quality uh, work of art. I feel like there's so many words that are like perfect to describe it, but also not good enough, like hodgepodge, uh, collage. Uh, it, it's it's like an alchemy, basically, of like this uh breaking down and reconstructing of different um tropes and styles to make something like completely new and it's ridiculous it's really ridiculous i like how art house it is but fun because like it had a lot of i guess what you would consider like uh pretentious uh style choices but it felt like genuine and and just good spirited i have a few thoughts about what you said so it's interesting that you bring up the term pretentious because this movie uh and i see exactly what you're saying right this movie felt anti-pretentious to me because it there's something just very modest and humble about the way it's you know shot it's on digital and uh, it seems like they kind of used their their sets and didn't do a whole you know sano isn't super concerned until they get to the beach towards the end he's not super concerned with like making it particularly beautiful um the the length of it also uh the fact that it is an epic as brendan said but but not epic really in its scope 
I thought was really interesting because if you approach this movie with a kind of editor brain, you you could immediately see where a kind of, you know, standard like normie filmmaker would make the cuts. They'd take the first hour and make it three minutes. And then you'd pretty much chop the coda off at the end. You'd, you'd end with him kind of in the, the psych ward, right? And then you'd have a, a still very long two and a half hour movie. But this this movie is basically telling a very simple story, but it reminded me of, of, of a novel. And it is broken up into chapters. And I think that I haven't, it's an interesting juxtaposition with a lot of the movies we watch on this show, like last week's Pinocchio, which is, you know, it's an, it's like an hour and a half and it's very frenetic and, and disjointed and very much a film. But this, this felt like, you know, we're going to take these five or six characters and actually live with them for a while. So it takes the time to like minor characters, like the father and his, you know, crazy bitch, uh, almost wife like they get a lot of screen time in this movie and in other movies they would they just straight up wouldn't have like they wouldn't have been developed characters so those are kind of my initial thoughts about it right like it's it's very book-like yeah it's a dostoevsky basically oh that's interesting yeah i i i think so too um i also saw a little bit of shakespeare just because like the the kind of like the tragicomic element of him like falling you know being uh, of you being in love with um was it yoko right uh mm-hmm. uh you know he's in love with her but he meets her and his his alter ego miss scorpion um and and she loves she loves miss scorpion but she doesn't love him you know and so he has to like in order to like get you know to get some romantic time with her he has to like show up as miss scorpion and i thought that was kind of um kind of like a shakespearean thing yeah, I really liked the gender relations in this movie. It felt very honest because, you know, obviously our main character in this movie is a, a, a very strange, uh, good young man who, who doesn't sin, whose father is a priest, and upon uh, him losing his lover, becomes obsessed with making you, our protagonist, confess sins that you doesn't have. You doesn't do anything wrong. He doesn't step on ants. He, you know, he helps old ladies across the street. Uh, so you begins to uh, a- attempt to do bigger and bigger sins in order to, in a strange way, please his father, right? And and actually get him what he wants. And the sin that he chooses is by doing uh, like panty peak uh, upskirt <laughs> photos, which he be- which he like, becomes he- like the god of right like he, he becomes, becomes the, the panty peak ninja like he becomes, yeah. <laughs> and, and like they have these I, I dude i was i was i i love like the weird game like when he meets up with that the like the the japanese like wiggers yeah for the first time <laughs> right. and then yeah. and then they meet like the king per, like the king pervert who's like asking like training them and then oh my god I, it was so funny i mean like when when they're on the bridge and all those girls and they are, are on the bridge and they like are doing karate and then they like get them to stop and then they like run that like um remote Percy control cars. car underneath yeah. all of them and it takes pictures <laughs> oh man i mean that, oh, that's and that's what i was saying about this being like super imaginative and just like god damn like what a mind to come up with yeah. this shit yeah he's doing all these crazy moves and flips to get the shots and 
Um, and there's a, and then we're introduced to a cult. So there's a lot of heavy cult themes in this uh, called the Zero Church. It's never really clear what they, how they brainwash people, but they're really good at it. Um, but I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself. So, Kelby, did you have anything to, to add to what we were saying there? Well, with the imagination, I immediately thought like one of my, one of the things I told you about it, like while, while watching it was like, this is a, it's kind of Wes Anderson-ish in a way. Mm. And I meant that by like the hyper imagination, how it's like, it'll go over the top. But like with Wes Anderson, he's often like kind of autistic about the, like, the character's delivery of shit or whatever but this felt very raw so it had like that kind of over-the-top imagination about it but with this like extremely big human heart beating throughout it the the imagine the imagination isn't restrained by like any kind of formalism like it is in wes anderson right what do you yeah. what do you guys think this movie is saying about about love oh geez well, about love, I'm not. I'm not really sure. Um, I, I mean, I, I, I can kind of relate. I, I kind of relate to the discourse in it about about perversion, because I think that it's born perversion or or like in, you know horniness gone, uh, you know, run riot is kind of a product of loneliness, mm -hmm. of like extreme loneliness, because I mean that's kind of. I've had that experience, you know, and I can I can relate to that. I think that, you know, the uh, the whole the, the, the Maria thing, I, I really do see that in religious terms, like, uh, mm -hmm. you know, that that basically, you know, he will he will, you know, ultimately the that perversion will be restrained if he can if he can have a relationship with, um, you know, like a saint. Oh, interesting. So you're saying that like the perversion comes from the repression of, of being able to properly express uh, love, right? Correct. Exactly. It, okay. Exactly. Right. Yes. Yes. Um, and so I think that it just, I think that it just shows the ways in which, you know, alienated people who can't, who, who, who don't have access to love, you know, that, that this is where, this is where much of a, the, the, perversion comes from that there's that that it's a sickness in a way mm -hmm. although although i will say that it's not this movie is not judgmental in any way that, and that's a great no, thing yeah, right. um and, and and it shouldn't be because uh i think that perversion is uh um you know it's um a very cool art object to contemplate mm -hmm. you know yeah, it's like that... it's intoxicating yeah, there's that great scene where he becomes the 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 confessional priest for perverts. Oh, yeah. He's at this kind of perv <laughs> rally and there's, you know, these big uh, you know, styrofoam penises everywhere and there's just a it's so it's cut so quick so you never really hear uh the the full confessions of these people, but I I loved it. It was like one lady's like I like to eat hair and then another person's like i love vomit and then this guy comes up and he's just like i love bombs he's like i want to build a bomb and make it it's this it's this really ugly dude with the the patchiest beard i've ever seen uh, wearing a schoolgirl outfit and he's he's just all about explosions so i liked i liked that kind of uh, you know that montage scene a lot 
the very quick cut that was like only my father and she yeah. he was just like forgiven <laughs> <laughs> yeah dude I, the dad character was really mysterious to me hmm. you know like his his motivations his you know like like the way that the way that he just kind of transforms i, I just couldn't quite comp- comprehend where he was coming from when he wanted his son to be a sinner and then when his mm-hmm. son finally really sins, you know, he kicks him out. Right. And I think that that has a lot to do with the flip side of the coin to, to love not having a proper outlet. If, you're, if your hate and anger also doesn't have a proper outlet, you, do, you can do some pretty crazy shit, right? Because right. when he finally starts slapping his, his kid around after he really sins, that's what he's been wanting to do the whole time. Right. So he's he's leading his son. Dude, I hated the dad so much. I really like wanted him to get stabbed in the throat the whole movie um, <laughs> because I don't know, dude, I get like really sensitive about the way that parents uh, like fuck up their kids like that. And it was really yeah. it was hard. It was hard for me to watch. And it's a lighthearted movie and nothing is treated. Uh, you're not told to take anything seriously. It's up to you what you what you resonate with. Right. In this kind of oh, movie. that's a good point. But like. I don't know. Yeah. When I just, when I saw him driving his kid, like his sweet son down this path, I was like, Oh, I just want to, I just want to see him get, like get his head chopped off. But the, that's not what the movie is interested in doing. Right. Like it's, it's not a revenge right. movie or anything like that. No. Um, but yeah, it's that, it's that flip, man. It's like it's love and hate are, are intertwined. Yeah. Well, and, and I think, I think it is a statement about how it like, you know, how our parents, and the way that they treat us affect our relationship with with like being able to love and be loved at, you know when we become adults like uh like you know how how our intimacy how how they program our relationship with in- intimacy you know because he's got the mom who dies and 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 as she's you know her dying wish is that he find his maria so that programs him to be on the lookout for like you know this idealized woman and then his own father kind of leads him down to a path of, you know, quote unquote perversion, although he's getting no, he's getting no sexual delight from it. And that in that he knows that he's found his Maria. <laughs> he knows he's mm-hmm. found his Maria because she's the first woman and he's like 17. Right. Mm-hmm. And he gets mm-hmm. his first direction from her. You know, I don't even, I don't even remember my first boner. It was early. Yeah, no, it was, I mean, it was, I, I think my first boner was like pre-consciousness. Yeah. <laughs> you know, pre-memory. <laughs> pre, you know, before yeah. I was making memories, I was like walking around with with a stiff heart on. Yeah, yeah. I, um, yeah, it kind of reminds me, I do remember the first time ever though that like busted and I thought I was going to die. That shit was crazy because... I like saw it on my hand and I got really dizzy. I was like, what happened? I remember uh-huh. kind of like stumbling into the bathroom and being like, Oh, I shouldn't have, you know, cause I would just be watching basic instinct or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> Dude. I think, I think for me, I, okay. I watched this movie. It's like not very good movie with like Christian Slater and, uh, and uh, do you know who Robin Tunney is? She's like, She's like this like Irish American actress who was she was in Empire Records as like the gal that shaves her head. But, okay, uh, yeah, okay, okay, but, but this movie yeah. it's called like Julian Poe, I think it was, and it was like on cable. And I was my parents were out of town, and my grandparents were were taking care of us, and I was like twelve, 
and uh, they were staying in the guest room and I was sleeping in my parents room and so like I was watching TV before I went to bed and it was on and like I don't know why you know when you're 12 just like like the smallest things or whatever can like set you off and it was like Robin Tunney was like wearing a nightgown and then I like went to bed and then when I woke up the next morning I was just like woke up masturbating for the first time and then I like yeah and then I was like, oh, what the fuck is happening right now? Do I, do I have to piss? Like, I went into the bathroom to, like, try and piss. And it wasn't like, that wasn't it. And then mm-hmm. I realized, like, like it clicked. I was like, oh, I'm going to have an orgasm. And so, like, I went back and did it again, like, eight times. Like, yeah. it was like, a, I was like, okay, this is the best thing that's ever happened to me. <laughs> I think when I was done, I just, like, turned on Goldeneye and, like, stared, like, wasn't even paying attention. I was just on autopilot. Wow, I, would, I need I needed to to you know disappear into the world of you know computer generated violence for a little bit to to just take my mind off of it. It was it was not a uh, like a happy thing to me. I was really very, I was very upset about the whole thing. Yeah, why? Yeah, how about, uh, I grew up really super religious, man. I oh, okay. mean this this okay. movie resonated for me big time, right? So I mean you know it was just sort of um, I felt like I'd betrayed my like my parents <laughs> or something you know what i mean yeah like uh, i'd, I I'd like broken some kind of uh some kind of pact but what about what about you kelby well my, imagine how i felt my first boner was passion of the christ so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, wow dude they yeah. tear off jim caviezel's shirt and like the, the and, and i'm just like yeah save me from my sins and yeah, yeah. Oh, man that's right that's such a great movie i love that movie I've never seen it. Oh man, you'll love I, it. I, I'm in the middle. Really I'm in the middle of a uh, of um, like a religious conversion. Like I'm, I'm oh, getting really? really. I'm really. Yeah, I'm getting really into the Catholic Church. Uh, okay, right. For me, it's Episcopalian. Uh, there's an Episcopalian church down the street, and I kind of I like that. the The thing about Episcopalianism that I don't like, I, I like the Catholic uh, relations to the saints. I, yeah. I really vibe with Saint stuff, especially like Saint Michael. I feel like a real connection with Saint Michael, but um, which probably stems from all the you know theosophy stuff that I've I've been into for the past few years. But I don't know, Episcopalianism just seems like a little bit more chill, right? Yeah, but, uh, yeah. But tell me more about this this Catholic conversion. So this this movie, we really did like pick a. Yeah, I know. I know. That's why I was like, it was so a very intense experience for me, Mm -hmm. you know, and I think that's, you know, and and I personally believe that, you know, like God just kind of is, you know, hitting me hard with the science, you know what I mean? But you guys may be the instrument of God, you know, which is interesting, which is an interesting question, you know, uh, to contemplate is who is the, you know, who, who are the, who are the instruments of God? But anyway, um, yeah, you know what? I need. I mean, I just need strong spiritual medicine. You know, my my soul. You know, I've been I've been kind of publicly, you know, been kind of like a performative like pervert for a long time. Mm-hmm. You know now, and I think I just kind of like memed myself into being kind of a being that guy a little bit. You know, and mm-hmm. I'm just like really preoccupied with sex, and uh, and I, I, you know, there, you know, there's some things, some some things I did that I you know kind of thought this is this is not something that a healthy person would do you know like what you know like you know like you know just like irresponsible uh sexting and you know oh, okay. dick pics and you know stuff like that 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I sent a dick pic to like a big group chat, like as a gag, you know. Yeah, I saw it's it. Like, it's like, what the fuck am I doing? And uh, I didn't, and, I didn't see it. Yeah, well, you know, Kelby can, you know, he could probably hook you up. But uh, anyway, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, I saved it. I don't. Really <laughs> um, and and so and so like I just uh, and in the meantime I've made some some really good friends um, who are Catholic, okay. and uh, and like. I'm really attracted to them. You know, I think they're really, they seem centered and, uh, you know, what way, way less neurotic than me in a way uh, that I really, and so, you know, I mean, just having them around and being attracted, you know, it's like an AA thing. You know, it's like a track. They're not promoting, you know, they're not like in my ear being like, you have to convert or whatever. It's like, they're just there and they are open to my inquiry. And uh, I don't know. So I just feel like that maybe like the time is right. You know, I mean, I, I went through uh, a period when I was like becoming like I was going through a political conversion, like back in 2014 and getting really into uh, and, you know, and like but it was more of like a political thing on online where it was like Catholicism is like the most based religion or whatever. And you have to sure. like. Be- and so I was interested in it for political reasons. But, you know, my girlfriend at the time who, you know, I lived with, she wasn't down with, like, my politics or becoming religious at all. So it kind of stalled at that at that point. Mm, mm-hmm. But, um, yeah. Was it was it Trump that started your political conversion? Was he no, no. It was uh, it, in, in, in 2014. It was like the Trayvon Martin thing, which, by the way, like at the time, I was like agnostic about what actually took place between George Zimmerman and Trayvon Martin, like. How the fuck could I know? You know, mm-hmm. how could I possibly know? But there were people who were like certain that George Zimmerman was like murdered him in cold blood. And so there was just like a witch hunt going on in the media against him. And I was like, man, that just doesn't really seem like very fair minded. Maybe I should explore, you know, why that why this is happening. So, you know, I kind of was like looking into the Internet and then the Mike Brown thing happened and it was the same thing all over again. And I was just like, enough with these witch hunt. You know, like, this seems very fake and gay. And I want mm-hmm. nothing to do with the people who, like, are on board with, you know, who just are, like, so certain, so dogmatic about, like, pillorying these people that we don't know in these situations where we weren't there. And so then I started to get into, like, really, because I was politically alienated, because I didn't have, I didn't, I wasn't that, attra- I wasn't going to be a Republican. I thought they were pretty milk toast, uh, and I didn't have any friends I could talk to about politics you know everybody was like you know really left wing I started to get into like some just like go down the internet rabbit hole and be into like the things that were the most right wing on the internet yeah, like like the, like the spinning the spinning son and rads yeah, and yeah the like spinning son and rads and stuff and that was pretty dark you know mm-hmm. and it made me feel really really outcast and then trump came along and that kind of de-radicalized me and gave me like something to cheer for like that was mainstream yeah yeah I, it, it's, it really does feel like once you start picking at the scab of like once you realize that p- these people lie just con- just constantly lying right and constantly scapegoating and constantly grifting for me it was definitely it was covid Right. I went through yeah. almost the exact same uh, path you did, which is really funny when you're mentioning, you know, like I would read like uh, 
I think all the accounts at this point are banned, right? But I uh-huh. like, just found a bunch of these accounts of like, who's that guy who like really liked to fish, but he's like a Nazi also? You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> no, uh, I don't. Oh, I, I had actually seen that guy because I remember that shit. I, I was like, I was, uh, yeah, I was following because he would just be like fishing and shit. And I was like, this is great because I follow yeah. like gardeners and just people who post nature stuff. And mm-hmm. then he just be like how you're talking about how much he hates colored people and this and that and i'm just like jesus christ <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah and i and i like i was fascinated with his account because it was also esoteric uh like hollow earth and you know um you know gang stalking and, and all these kind of conspiracies that i really vibe with aesthetically and i kind of i kind of like to introduce them to my you know my cosmology and understanding of the world right but then i i sort of again followed like this i i started following like you and jack and all these people and it was like oh norm normal people who sure. are also based right um yeah exactly which is i mean i feel like based is uh it's 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 definitely primarily a, a right wing word it's like yeah. i feel like dirtbag left and stuff has been it's slowly creeping its way sure. the same way the Pepe's did into kind of like the left, but it's a pretty yeah. solidly right thing. But I don't know. I, I, I grasp around like a, like a drowning person for like a life raft of normalcy of just people who can look at the psyoped uh, crazy, you know, news stories that were fed 24 seven and just yeah. kind of have both feet planted on the ground and say like, this is fake. Like you said, like this, this is fake and gay. Um, right. And, and that's that's where I find it now is is largely in these people and it's like I don't have to agree with them on you know every single every single thing it's just like mm-hmm. they make the most sense to me right now um and I think it also comes from I, I don't know if this resonates with you or not but like it also just comes from like I think I have a generally cynical opinion about people and I think uh sort of being based does have a cynicism to it right where you assume people are grifting and lying and you know out out to get uh out to get you in a way which you can take too far but absolutely i don't know i don't know i'll stop talking but i think it goes the other way too though sometimes where it's like i see the cynicism of of um you know of, of there's a person that i'm really really close to who's really cynical like about you know like like they're they're like a communist you know and so they're like cynical about um capitalism and things like that and i think but i, I interpret it sometimes as like just like a neg- like a loser attitude or a negativity mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. I, and i'm not and, and i'm not talking about i'm not talking about my friend rachel by the way that that's an important mm-hmm. thing to mention because mm-hmm. she probably didn't listen to this uh mm-hmm. but but somebody who let's just say it's a relative okay it's a relative who i see is really cynical kind of the other way like in a leftward direction and I see it as like this incredible negativity, you know, mm-hmm. um, that and, and so I just I, I like to check myself as well. Um, but I do think that there's a lot of grift going on in yeah, all I'm, directions. Yeah, what I mean is, is basically so Kelvin and I both come from the, the writing world, which mm-hmm. is about as libtarded as you could possibly get. Sure. It's it's so dumb. But you, you know, talked about I, that, and you 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 talked about that well on on your episode "Tales from the Mall." Oh right, okay, yeah, I won't yeah. cover all that all that same ground. But you know, it's like I I basically like I would see posts of people around 2016, and they'd be like, 
you know, they're writers, so they do this all in very flowery, obnoxious prose that's really hard to stomach. But they would mm -hmm. be like, I was walking down the street with my three-year-old and <laughs> someone in a pickup with a Trump flag said, you know, go back to your country. Boop. And I would read these things. And I'd be like, well, that's fake. That didn't happen. That's that's clearly <laughs> made up. And all the comments from like all the writers would be like, I'm so sorry that this happened to you. And I was oh like, you God. guys are just too credulous. I need people who are a little bit less credulous than that, you know? Totally. Just kind of try to see what's really going on. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, well, well, I mean, we were talking about it earlier with like that guy who was like scraping the uh, the Confederate flag sticker off the pole, you know? Mm -hmm. It's like, <laughs> duh, he put it up. We all know that. Right. Um, <laughs> but you were saying, you're talking about the dirtbag left a little bit and uh, that's an interesting topic like how they're saying based and they use Pepe and all that. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, I think they're useful to us. They launder our memes, you know, they launder mm -hmm. our concepts mm -hmm. to make them, to, to, to give us further, to give us greater reach. Don't you think? I like that idea of laundering ideas that that's, yeah, cause that's true. That's true. If any, any major like base point uh, is going to be, controversial for like a week and then within maybe a month or so it'll be like co-opted by the left all of a sudden yeah but and, and to me like I, I to me it's it's really important um the thing you know the thing that bothered me the most about the rising tide of like uh authoritarian leftism was just that it it limited free expression which is the absolute most important thing same yeah absolutely yeah i think 100%. i think that the thing that kind of um joins together all the kind of disparate guests that we've had on agitator so far no matter what part of the political spectrum they're on they're all like into this weird shit right and that's that was kelby and i's idea with this podcast in general because there's so much cool generative uh absurd perverted uh, strange art that came out of japan um especially in about a 20 year window that i that we think is really exemplified by the movies of takashi miike uh although we, you know obviously we go in different directions here but you know it's just like this idea of being able to make this stuff that doesn't fit into uh, a box and you know trying to like tell people about these about these movies you know because i don't know i think i think that's the most kind of important thing right now i'm feeling very uh almost like kind of post-political at this point like yeah. i just i just straight up don't don't care anymore you know um i'll probably you know just vote straight ticket republican for the rest of my life just be just as revenge for covid yeah. um just like a straight up re just retribution just i think right a lot of line. people feel that way yeah yeah, but I don't. I don't care. You see what I mean? Like, I don't really care. No, I get it. I'm, I totally I'm not, get it. I'm not invested. Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely not interested in like meta politics, you know, or anything like that, you know, or like. What are meta politics? What does that mean? You know, just like I think I what what I mean is like you know the the discourse around politics, like talking about political strategy, but also like um, you know talking about like I I guess I guess I'm what I mean is I'm not interested in ideology. I guess that yeah. that. Uh, you know, I'm I'm obviously like I'm retarded, but uh, uh, I'm just Same. not interested in ideology. You know, um, and, and that it's not interesting to me. Um, I'm interested in in free expression, in art, and like when I watch a movie like this mo movie, and I see how you know unbridled it is in its uh, in its perversion, 
in in its violence, uh, you know, in its religious themes. It's just it's really it's a really refreshing thing, you know, that we that you never and you never see something like this coming out of Hollywood ever. No, no, it's too long. Well, first of all, it's too long, but <laughs> yes, the, the the subject matter too. I want to get y'all's opinion on this. Um, start with Kelby. What do you think about this movie's depiction of women? I was kind of gonna go along that path, along with the way that it depicts. I mean, basically everything: religion, perverts, teen sexuality, that women. Like everything is just presented in this like very like sort of like we talked about how it's kind of hyper imaginative and like whimsical so it's not necessarily like it's realistic but it f has a more honest like emotion to it because it's not concerned with like being appropriate because it's not a judgmental film about anything that it presents so it's not like trying to depict anything in the acceptable manner but that allows for it to be like so much more interesting like the women in the movie like they 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 have so much range and opportunities to like um deliver like great monologues like uh the Yoko when she's reciting yeah. the Corinthians on the beach Man, that was where she shoves yeah. him over and starts screaming Corinthians 13 at him I was like holy <laughs> yeah, it takes shit like, it takes like it takes like five minutes and it's just this shot of her face over him and she's like tears are slowly forming and she you know she's giving a hundred and like 10 percent when she when she's delivering those lines sorry to interrupt but yeah that that was the highlight of the whole movie for me actually but uh go on well, and there's so many characters, too, that it allows, like, an exploration of all different kinds of people. And it, they might be caricatures in a way, but, like, it's a movie, so you can do that. Like, you can sort of represent different archetypes and get a broader picture, <laughs> broad, uh, <laughs> of, like, what it's saying by taking it all in. Because you have, like, the crazy bitch with uh well there's a couple crazy bitches there's the the chick that gets with the dad and then there's like that master manipulator chick who's like putting recording devices in the confessional booth and like following people around to recruit them for the the zero church cult but like her motivation like she started off she's just crazy right she was i'm trying to remember her her origin story so she was she was molested by her father. Yeah. She's the boner yeah. breaker. Right, right. Yeah, she, t oh God. That was the first yeah, was, like- Oh big... God, that was rough. <laughs> <laughs> it felt kind of PG-13 up to that. Cause even though it's like, it sounds super perverted and it's like, you know, it's about these teenagers who go around shooting upskirt videos and whatever, but it's very tame, honestly up to i think that point is when we get the first like explosion of gore and like this she cuts off his boner and <laughs> the eruption of blood oh, onto the ceiling yeah it's just total yeah. yeah it covers the room in blood but yeah yeah i mean it's like with all the other characters i didn't 
I, I, I was just I was just vibing with it. it. I wasn't judging anything either. Like the way that it it feels so genuine in its presentation of everything that I really never I never had a thought like, damn, this is a misogynist movie or oh wow, this really did a great job depicting the women. Like I, I really don't know. Like I was just I was just along for it. I was just vibing with it. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I could see why, why you know, like you might, like the the women characters, you know, the 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 the, the gang that um, you know, that you is part of, right? He's he's in a gang with these other guys, and they're all um, kind of devoted to him because he's like an amazing panty uh, upskirt photographer, and and but they're just kind of like they're kind of like there's like this uh, fraternity, you know that it's like very fraternal and uh we don't really know the backstory of these other guys who you know are part of this like criminal gang or whatever and but the women characters like we've got that manipulate you know we've got the manipulative character who's um what is it Co 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 i don't know Co koike or whatever who, uh, uh koike yeah koike who i mean she's a victim of an abusive father and uh and um you know uh yoko is as well and uh and we don't know what the stepmom why she's so nuts but we do know that she's nuts and not a great character uh not not like a great person or whatever um and so you've got these women who are like damaged and manipulative and so i mean on the one hand you could say well yeah the the, the movie sees women in these in these terms you know damaged and manipulative but the fact is that we give that we give them backstories uh we're given backstories for some of them and and they're vic they're both victims of men who have abused them and so uh you know i mean so so i mean that's something to chew on as well that the the movie also sees men as potentially abusive and incestuous and, and incestuous so i don't think you know, I, I don't think it lets anybody, it doesn't let anybody off the hook. And so it's not just like, it's not just pure misogyny. However, um, I think that, I don't know, you, you himself kind of has saintly qualities. Um, but, but the mo his mother also gets to be, you know, because she gets to, she, she leaves the movie early on. And doesn't get doesn't get tarnished by all the violence and perversion. She also gets saintly. She she is like a saintly woman. So uh, I think it's it's kind of complicated. I, I don't think it's trying to, you know, it's not really making any statement about gender. Um, ex but uh, you know, the, the, I do the the scorpion Miss Scorpion or whatever is uh, is pretty interesting uh, totem. I don't know what I'm saying, but no, no, I was yeah, free, the... so, free associating. It was beautiful. I Thank you. think that uh, Ms. Yeah, Miss Scorpion is a really nice touch to the whole thing because um, one of the lines that I really enjoy in the movie is that when he puts on the the drag to become Miss Scorpion, he looks at himself, uh, I think, in the mirror and he says that he loves it. First of all, that he he's like, oh man, this is great, and then he says, I look disgusting, and I thought that that was a really fun uh, juxtaposition. And something that I, I wish was explored more in art, 
uh, because there's such a premium placed on everybody, you know, looking fabulous and slaying and, you know, being <laughs> like, like super made up and shit. And it's like, wh what about, what about people who are like, you know, I put this like wig on and I look fucking weird and gross, but that's awesome. Like, yeah, I wish we could see more of that, you know, like, I feel like there were a lot of people like that when I was growing up, there was like hostgator.com the the guy who got you know Pornhub <laughs> tattooed on his on his forehead uh and there were there were all these shows with like body mod stuff with people putting you know little devil horns in their in their head and the ideal was not to 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 yes slay queen right it was to look fucking weird and then we got you know uh only fans and twitter and tiktok and everything like that and all of these like if you see a chick with like a split tongue she's also you know heavily made up and you know wearing lingerie and shit which there's nothing there's nothing wrong with like don't get me wrong yeah. like that's okay it's just like where did all the the genuinely ugly and proud of it freaks go um so anyway that's yeah that was like my takeaway from the whole scorpion thing interesting also that he that he referred to himself as a lady boss when he was when he was late miss scorpion i was like i was loving that that was so funny and he really was a lady boss i mean you know he wielded a sword yeah they're all really good at fighting in this movie, i know which that I was think, so cool i thought was really funny like they're all very skilled practitioners of ninjutsu and he you know at the end he kind of at the end i guess you know he's got that katana and there's some good splatter of him kind yeah. of cutting through people um but like like i i really like these kind of uh melodramatic uh personal stories told with an element with an element of the fantastical in them i don't know why sure. people don't do this more often you know like yeah sure have a you know have a melodrama right but also the characters can, I don't know, like shoot fire from their hands or something, you know, like they're, it's like a, like a kind of soap opera, but with, uh, you know, Dragon Ball Z characters. Yeah. Like the, there's, there's no reason not to do it. It's a movie. It's not real. So right. I'm just always so, you know, we kind of got a little bit of that with the kind of twee movies of the early 2000s, like Amelie and stuff, which I really like. Amelie. Dude, th this movie reminded movie. me of Amelie, actually. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I like yeah, Amelie yeah. a lot. Um, but yeah, like Jean Pierre Genet, he you know mm -hmm. he, he gets it. Oh yeah, yeah. Did he also do the Alien Alien Four Alien Resurrection? He did. He, did, he yeah. Uh, yeah, he did. An, he definitely did an Alien movie, but I don't know which one. I think it's Resurrections, and it wasn't three. I think, I think was it, it was Alien Three. No, three was David Fincher. Um, what? So David? Yeah, David. Yeah, Fincher that's did insane. Alien. Yeah, that was his first movie. Yeah, his first wow. movie was Alien Three. Imagine um, that being your first movie. Yeah, it's a great movie, you know. I haven't um, seen it. I've got it on it's, VHS. It's good, man. Yeah, so we, there's Rid Ridley Scott, James Cameron, uh, David Fincher, and then Janae did the did the fourth one. Wow, which what? is just what like, a lineup, dude. Yeah, because Resurrections has character uh, character actors from Amelie in it. That kind of old guy who is missing teeth. Uh, sure. The guy in the wheelchair in Resurrections. He's like, mm -hmm. he's the guy who. I think he falls in love with like a fat lady or something in Amelie. I don't know. I have to rewatch all these. Movies. I was in love yeah. with Amelie when I was in middle school. How gay is that? A lot of people were. A lot of people are. I don't think it's gay. No, I don't think it's okay, gay. Okay, cool. I, cool. I think it's. I think it's. It makes a see, lot of sense. You know. See, now you guys understand why. Now you guys understand why I want to be Catholic because I'm constantly on the lookout for absolution. 
Uh, you know, like yeah. Yeah, you know, like like is Amelie loving Amelie Gay? No, and David <laughs> David just absolved me. You're forgiven. <laughs> Fellas, yeah. is it gay to like Amelie? Uh to no, love no, Amelie. No. no. To I love her. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. But uh no, I mean I think that we we went through this because of movies like Garden State and stuff. It became sure. popular to be like Scott Pilgrim. Oh, Manic Pixie Dream. What's wrong with the Manic Pixie Dream Girl? They're they're awesome, you know? They're like, the best. Yeah, I've been thinking about this in terms of fiction in general and how, you know, once Joss Whedon started being, you know, super self-referential and everything had to be ironic, like we lost, uh, you know, just cool people doing cool shit, which is why I'm interested yeah. to check out the Jack Reacher show, which is just a Jack that looks dude tight. who can that fuck looks people tight. up. My dad has read like, my, so my dad is, uh, he's a huge fan of the, uh, of like the, uh, the thriller and like crime fiction airport genre. Uh, and he's read every single Reacher book. And so he was like stoked about the new Reacher because Reacher in the movie was Tom Cruise, who's like a like a five foot seven twink. Yeah. But Reacher's <laughs> Reacher's a killing machine. He could kill with his bare hands. He should look hog. jacked. Yeah. He's got yeah. yeah, he's got a huge fucking hog that he's <laughs> that he kills people with. Um, he calls it the he calls it the jackhammer. Uh it's it's a point in every book to mention the jackhammer. No shit. Um, yeah, for real. I read the but, first. I, I did read the first Reacher book. But like, you, basically, I was having a conversation with my friend on the phone the other day, and we were talking about this exact subject and how you know we kind of came of age during a generation where everything was lame, and it you know we had to be constantly subverting expectations, and you know what if it was a hero, but he wasn't good at anything. But it's this. It's this kind <laughs> of. What if he was like, a loser? Instead of being cool. Instead of being cool, but it's like, <laughs> what if he we, was we Kurt Cobain? This, yeah, we had this epiphany. It's like, what if we tried to like write books where we we wrote our protagonist as like the coolest person we could possibly imagine? So for me, it would be like a secret agent, archaeologist, uh, you know, uh, alien, half alien, right? Yeah. Um, who is telepathic, right? But what if that? Uh-huh. What if we just did that? You know what I mean? Okay. Like, and, yes. and we did it. We did it unironically and 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 really really it tried to make like because like think about what people genuinely gravitate to it's 50 shades of gray with this you know idealized uh you know pervert who will billionaire pervert you. yeah billionaire pervert or like harry potter you're actually you live under the stairs but you're actually the king of the wizards right that's like a good people point. people love this shit and and we should stop well, we should stop yeah. running away from the things that we like yeah, so like, so yeah, like a marine sniper who can like sing like Frank Sinatra and dance like Fred Astaire. Boom. Yeah. Um. That's, so that's okay. So, so so this is this is a this is a good point, David. Um. Because I was thinking, you know, guys, I when you guys asked me on the show, uh, I've had a couple of episodes of Tales from the Mall where I've confessed that I don't know anything about Asian cinema. That I'm basically yeah. like that's a yeah. huge blank spot in my because I went to I, I studied film history in college and I mean we did watch some you know they they'd hit on that a little bit and we watched some John Woo okay John Woo right melodrama guys flying through the air shooting two mm-hmm. guns doves it's like it's got it all they're packing it all in there Jackie Chan I watched mm-hmm. I watched Police Story and I was like this okay that's that's a marine that's a marine who can who can dance. You know what I mean? Like, it, 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 it's it's just total, it's like Gesamtkunstwerk, you know? Like, it's total work of art, and they're not holding anything back. And then this movie is kind of like the, and I recognize that they're, you know, Chinese, uh, 
I know the difference between the Chinese and the Japanese, unlike some white people. But uh, but this uh, this movie was like that, you know. And, and so I feel like I feel like that's it's like a Western thing for us to be like so self serious yeah. and like have to look down at our you know gaze at our feet, <laughs> um, you know, or whatever. Yeah. yeah. And by the way, the, yeah. the fact that the, the only the only guy that the only man that Yoko did not hate was Kurt Cobain. And then Jesus. Yeah. Oh, and Jesus. Yes. Yeah. Kurt Cobain and Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Kurt Cobain really damaged our, he, he was like, he was like the totem of our upbringing of our generation, you know? Right. Because he was the not, you know, the extremely talented and handsome guy who was, you know, who hated everything, which I can vibe with. It's cool. I'm mm -hmm. glad that Nirvana existed. They Me some too. Great albums. Um, but you know, I mean, it, it kind of spawned, uh, other people who are like, oh, if I don't try, it will be better. And what I'm yes. saying is like, no, we should go back to trying again. Yeah. Trying you know? is better. Well, yeah, you guys had yeah. Barrett on. I saw you had Barrett on. Yeah. Um, right. And he, uh, articulates this concept called fin punk, which is finance punk, mm -hmm. yep. which I, which I, which somebody explained it to me they said, they said finance punk is like trying to get people who previously hated themselves and were afraid of success to crave to beat to try and have success and have wealth and and the guy who explained it to me told me if kurt cobain knew about finance punk he wouldn't have killed himself mm. yeah that's in, that's really interesting and i i like that a lot i think that um actually attempting to do things that are good and uh whatever good means to you right but sure. to, to do to do it honestly i like to say about my my writing is that my writing is uh you know the books are silly and gay and whatever but i take it completely seriously um and i, I think that you know you look at the story of the of the buddha and the buddha was a prince before he could become the buddha like he had to achieve well he didn't achieve material wealth he was given it from a from a young age but you know there's this whole kind of subset of instagram uh, influencers and people like that who are they're like the finance guys right and you know it's the success win hustlepreneur kind of thing and it's cringe right it's you yeah look at you like oh that's kind of not not for me but uh -huh. like there's there's something to uh running running two tracks at the same time in in parallel with each other and, and one of them is the person who's very concerned with material and achieving a kind of uh you know a good body a, a healthy body uh, money, all this kind of stuff. And then the other side of you who is more concerned with matters not of the flesh, right? And, yeah. and it's 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 like that balance that we're always missing. It's got to be one way or the other. You're either hustling, grinding every day, or you're uh, something closer to me who, who just who neither <laughs> hustles nor grinds. Uh, <laughs> well, you're an inspiration because you have, you are, uh, um, you know, a dad. Yeah. you know hustle Thanks, but you know me like oh man you know i'm i'm like i'm like a, i'm like matthew mcconaughey or something like in a romantic comedy i'm the hustle you know the hustlepreneur thank you for introducing me to that term you know i'm always i'm always on my grind i don't have time for commitment and love and then like jennifer lopez is gonna show up and could you imagine um, could you imagine if jack lopez showed up no, I wouldn't be able to. I mean, the thing is, is that if, if Jennifer Lopez actually showed up, mm -hmm. I would 
I wouldn't be able to control. Like it would, it would be pretty cr- a cringe moment, you know. Yeah, Money Train, Jennifer Lopez and Money Train, was mm-hmm. one of my like. It was like her and and Rosie Perez growing up, which I oh, know that's dude. kind of weird. No, no, me, no, like, I get it. Yeah, like her, like <laughs> Rosie, like Rosie Perez and White Men Can't Jump. Hmm. Right. Yeah. No. It's I mean, and you know I ended up you know ended up marrying uh, a a la, la, Latin ex. You know? Yeah, I, I, mean, I, I noticed that. Just, it was just my thing. You I know? was happy like, for you. Thank you. They're 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 a handful. Let me tell you. Yeah, but yeah. It's but it's worth it. Isn't that right, Kelby? Kelby's got one too. Oh damn! <laughs> yeah, yeah. The conquistador mindset. <laughs> <laughs> you know my you know my 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 mom is is uh is Latinx, mm-hmm. but she's very she's I don't know. I, I don't I, I can't tell if if she's a handful or not. You know. Your parents seem sweet from what I've seen on the on the Twitter. They seems are like very very a, a good sweet. a good relationship with your parents, which I think is extremely I'm, important. I'm very close to them. Yeah, yeah. Very close. Was, to was them. it always that way growing up? Were you close oh, to your yeah, parents? Oh yeah, yeah. We're a t- we are a tight knit family. In the good. in, you know, and part of that is because we grew up. You know, I'm from California, but I grew up in Nebraska, and so. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we moved away from California, where all of our relatives were, everyone we knew, all of our friend, all of my parents' friends, you know, to Nebraska, where we didn't know anybody at all. And so I think that, you know, that we we only had each other to begin with, and uh, and my parents didn't really make, you know, outside of work, didn't really make friends the whole time that we lived there. And then I have a, I have a, it was just me and my brother. I just have a younger brother. And we are really tight. We see each other every day. We, you know, mm-hmm. we we live like 15 minutes away from each other. Mm-hmm. And I live about an hour and a half away from my parents, so I still see them all the time. What What's your? So you said this is your younger brother, older brother? Younger brother. He's two years younger. Young, two years younger. That's a good. Yeah. yeah. My younger brother is is four years, and we're really tight too. You got to have a, yeah, relationship with your siblings. Just the whole family thing, right? Mm-hmm. Like this is this is what the evil archons want to take away if there's exactly. one thing that they want to fragment it's your relationship with your parents and your brother well, and that's uh, what the whole politics the whole the whole wedge politics whether it's vaccines whether it's uh you know like you've got these people who are just like hardcore like getting i gotta get my fifth booster shot and if you don't do the mm-hmm. same you're you're killing your grandma and then all these and then there's the other side of the coin where it's like uh you know if you get the vaccine you've been um you know, you got the mark of the beast inside of you, and right. that probably, you know, that you know, so that where it's actually families. it's actually the middle. It's actually the middle, which means it's just you just gave yourself AIDS. That's it. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> you know. But no, I mean, I think yeah. I, I don't know. I think one of the pictures from the pandemic that really, you know, like solidified who the good guys are and who the bad guys are is I saw a, a, a photo and it actually, it's very, it's very moving when I even think about it now, but it's, it was a, oh, it was like a, a family, like a father, a mother, and like a, a kid, it's like two or three. And they're, they're hugging their, their grandparents through plastic. And it's just like, ugh. oh God. You know what I mean? Like if there's one symbol of this whole thing where I was like, okay, I know now like who the, who the villains are in this story, right? And it's whoever put up that plastic, and whoever thinks that plastic is a good idea, you know. Um, yeah. So anyway, yeah, family, 
And this is, <laughs> Kelby, last uh, last episode, you said that Pinocchio felt like a family film. This is this feels like a family film for sure. There's a lot 100%. of uh, family dynamics in it. Sure, and surrogate families. Yeah. Well, and but, even the, like the type of love between, like it's kind of, to us as the viewer, it's like this like perverted funny thing because he, they keep calling each other brother and sister and he wants to bone her. <laughs> so it's like this sort of like taboo, funny, perverted shit. But they develop sort of a, you know, it's not known at the end if, if it's like a... Uh, like a true love like a romantic love you know it's just this love that is a little bit more i mean the brotherly sisterly dynamic is explored throughout the movie and i think the you and yoko characters end up embodying sort of all ju just love in general like sort of like a selfless christ-like love um which i think is like a, just a genius tying in of like the religious elements of the film as well uh that like you could sort of watch it through the lens of them becoming like christ uh yeah i, I don't know i kind of went off on uh, uh, several different directions there but well i, I think it's interesting like I i'm really interested in this um you know because i'm kind of in a you know i kind of am a, like a woman obsessive you know mm -hmm. and uh and so to make to, to make the uh, the woman, you know, like to, to put religious parameters, uh, uh, to make it a re an object of religious devotion to this woman, you know, like she is a saint. He's found he's found, like you know the 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 ultimate saint, um, you know Maria. He has to go and find her, and then he does, and then of course he becomes obsessed with her because in her is his salvation like it's it takes it, it takes away just like this is a woman that i'm attracted to and it puts her on like a pedestal it pedestalizes her in the ultimate way and uh you know people are always accusing me of doing that with women mm -hmm. you know that's a good thing that's a good thing like that's uh that's how i see my wife like 100 percent like uh, interesting yeah 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 yeah, yeah. yeah I'm, I'm confused with what's actually yeah, like Kelby said, man. Like I, I don't really see a an issue. With well, that. well, hey, hey, she's not yours. It's just your turn. You know, right, right. that kind of shit. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Right. Patrice O'Neill. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, I get. I, yeah, I get. Yeah, yeah. Right, right. Yeah, I hate and, 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 shit. It's and, like <laughs> and I do too, and I hate it too, and I hate it too because it's just, I don't know. Like, it, there's no nuance really to it. Mm-hmm you know dude it's I, uh, that that 13 corinthians that they that they uh that yoko does a, a speech of because you know mm -hmm. she's in a cult she's being deep he's trying to deprogram her from this cult and mm -hmm. so he ties her up and throws her in a van on the beach and yeah. eventually she tries to escape and you know and she he tackles her and then she rolls on top of him and basically recites the entirety of 13 corinthians which is 13 uh verses yeah. um but you know it's this it's this idea of you know of faith hope and love and yeah. i think I, I just i don't know man love to me that's why like you know this movie is called love exposure and they're mm -hmm. always talking about like loving each other and i think that love is one of the most uh it's beautiful but it's also extremely mysterious and i think people uh, recoil from it out of habit 
because I think that that's what this society has has done to us. But what I think that this movie really does is is it you know in a funny, playful, interesting way is that it actually does kind of like grapple with what does it mean to be like to love somebody that you're obsessed with them or love somebody so much that you're that you you know will chase them down. <laughs> you right. know all these kind of things that are like. I don't know, I guess you could kind of take it and it could be like a dark thing, which our culture does yeah. all the time. We have like, right. you know, movies about like fatal attraction and shit like that. Well, like, know? yeah, about how, how big, like obsession is always bad. Obsession is always bad, right, exactly. Right. But it's just like, mm -hmm. no, obsession is just, you know, I don't know, I feel I feel bad for, for, uh, for incels in a lot of ways. You know what I mean? It's like, because they would... <laughs> they were, I mean, I mean, I don't know. I, I'm trying to think of a way to say this without being like patronizing or anything like that. But you know, it it is kind of like, what if these people were actually just like given the opportunity to actually love somebody, right? Like, they they might not be because you're not bitter and you're not nasty and you're not mean or anything like that. But a lot of incels are. But then at the same time, it's like, mm, well, they're what happens when there's nowhere for for love to go right right i mean I yeah it, it it's well yeah what uh what happens uh to a dream deferred yeah does it does it uh dry up like a raisin in the sun or does it explode what is that langston hughes um i don't know but it's pretty uh but uh but dude when i heard that when they started doing 13 corinthians man i got mm -hmm. chills because I was just talking to a friend, like uh, this woman, uh, her name is Claire, she's a poet, and she's Catholic, and she's kind of like a spiritual advisor to me. And I was asking her, I said, you know, Claire, I really like like chakras and uh, the tarot and uh, new age shit. Like, I find it useful. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, but, but what, what is the attitude um, of the church towards that kind of stuff you know like is this all you know that's that's a hang-up that i have and she quoted 13 corinthians mm. she said if she said if i that that first part if i speak in tongues of men or angels but do not have love i am only a resounding gong mm -hmm. and i can't remember what her point was but the thing is it's just that it's just a weird synchronicity that that would be in, when i when that came up in the movie i got i got chills I would love to read a full, you know, and I'm sure there's tons of midrash about, you know, 13 Corinthians. That's the Old Testament, right? Corinthians is the Old Testament. I'm so No, that's New retarded. Testament. That's Paul. Uh, that's Paul. New oh, Testament. Yeah, Paul. It's yeah. New Testament. Yeah, I'm a yeah, complete yeah. Bible. He wrote it like, to, you know, yeah, yeah. It's a great I'm a Bible I mean, scholar. The, the Cor Corinthians <laughs> is is Corinthians is Paul's best work. Yeah. Sure. No, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. Yeah. I mean, like I I read it after the movie and I was like, this is fucking bars man this is great yeah yeah um, it's cool with with the relation to the new age stuff i mean i i think that if i would, were to try to kind of pull meaning out of that because I, I i think it's it's good it's just it's this idea that like you can go to church and pray and and speak in tongues or you can do the tarot or you can you know all these things but if there's not basically love behind it they're all equally pointless right okay so so maybe one is better than the other i would assume that christians would, would think one is better that praying is probably better than doing tarot or what have you sure. but none of it actually matters if you don't so like you have this you have this seeker's heart right yeah Do you know you know you're a person yeah. who's full of love and you 
you're trying to find a place to put that love, which is what's drawing you right to the church, but also to this new age stuff. And so basically like you, you, you're not just making, you're not like a, a symbol, right? Like a clashing right. symbol or a resounding yeah, gong. Yeah, a resounding gong. You're a, you're a, a you know, you're a human. And that's what oh, I man, like about you. That's moving. <laughs> that's moving stuff, man. Yeah, uh, if, let's it, make, like a, walking... make like a gay joke or something. Sorry, Kelby, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was going to say, like, if you're walking the path of love, like you are walking the path of Christ, because that was kind of like his whole thing. So it, Jesus could have gotten into tarot, you know? Yeah. And it, it's more the, the intention versus the method, I guess, which I think is a lot of what this like movie is also dealing with is a tug of war between like structure through the lens of religion and uh nature through the lens of like perversion and like this you know back and forth of like this is how i feel this is how i am and this is how i'm trying to be and it's like i mean it's the internal struggle of everybody really you have the what you're aspiring to and what you can't help but feel yeah i i think um I think there was a really there was a really interesting scene when the um, the dad, you know, is first being interrogated by the uh, by the cult, and he has to admit, you know, that his relationship with the with the um, the stepmom or whatever, uh, you know, she wasn't actually they weren't actually married, but that it was about that it was all about. They basically get him to admit that it was just like all about sex. And uh, I thought that was interesting because uh, you know sometimes it's sometimes it is that way, but it, but it does it puts his motivations in in um, you know it kind of enlightens us as to why these people are in his li- like why this woman is in his life, you know I mean because um, you know and 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 that that to me uh, it highlights. Uh, you know, I, I had a, I had this relationship with this uh, this woman um, who was like, she was offering me friendship, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, and I made it about sex, and it completely ruined our friendship completely. Mm. And um, I don't know, I don't know what I'm saying, but I'm just it resonated. That scene resonated with me in a big way. And he was so ash- he was so ashamed, right? Um, Oh yeah, man. I mean, like I've been there for sure, you know, and it's, it's just, it's one of those things where I think that in the dad's case, you know, his, his love died with his wife. Right. 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 And so, you know, he was basically now just looking for uh, anything that kind of came his way and, you know, and she walked in with the Kung Fu grip and that was all she wrote. Dude, you know? totally, totally. She had that crazy, that crazy pussy that he, you know <laughs> that's it hits different for sure um, oh. yeah I, I that made me sad though you know because because i mean he was like such a you know like there was a lot of love in his church like he was a gentle priest and then she came in and you know and so he get, he broke his vows and uh and then he became kind of a fire and brimstone kind of character for a while right. And that's what fucked his... It was a chain of events, you know? It was like, he's a priest, there's a lot of love there, his son is happy, uh, you know, happy member of that, like, of that community of God, 
and then this woman comes along, and suddenly it set, sets the whole thing in motion. That's the that's the inciting event, right? He becomes yeah. he becomes abusive, and then you becomes you know a, a peeper and a prowler, and then yeah, and all that, and then that's when everything, and then it just explodes into like violence and chaos. There's a tweet that I really like that's become a meme where it said um, uh, people always say what zero pussy does to a motherfucker but I've seen what pussy does to a motherfucker and it's worse <laughs> <laughs> dude was that a blowergeist uh, it could well I, I I'm not know. sure it's... I saw it put somebody put it into like a meme format after I saw uh, a tweet and it was I think it was like St. Paul or something it was attributed to and it's like you know a picture a painting of him at his desk very scholarly sure. looking uh, sure. It sounds like something Blauergeist would say, though. Oh, dude, that, but that is for sure very funny and very true. He, yeah, but so, so, but that, so, what Zero Pussy was doing to the dad was that it was making him receptive to like this insane one, right? Yeah. And then once he and was then, receptive, and then it was worse. even worse. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> what do y'all think of soulmates? Oh, they're uh, real. Yeah, they're real, and they and they they span lives. I think that you you, uh, if you're lucky, you find the that 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 person. But I don't think it. I don't think it generates in this incarnation. I think it's something that goes back to the beginning, and there are probably multiple ones out there. But uh, which I don't know what you'd do if you found two. If that that seems like a real. A real the more the merrier, baby. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, man, that's. I, I love the idea for sure. I'm, I'm. I don't know yet. I don't know yet. I, I'm attracted to it, and I hope it's true. Because, because you know, there's a there's a there's a segment of like the red. You know, we were talking about this earlier, right? Like, like do you guys know who Rolo Tomasi is? Yeah, that name sounds familiar. He, but... he, well, it's 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 from the movie L.A. Confidential, but. Uh, but there's a guy who calls himself Rolo Tomasi who writes, like, writes these like super dark red pill male advice books. He wrote this book called Rational Male. And uh, and like basically his thesis is that like the idea of a soulmate is like the most dangerous concept for men to believe in. Um, and I just think that if you're saying something like that, then you need to go, you need to talk to a priest. Yeah. You need yeah. to, you yeah. need, like, you need to do something, because that's, I don't know, that just sounds. Who wouldn't want to believe in it? Like, who wouldn't want to celebrate that idea? You know. Mm-hmm. So here's my thing. I think that like it's actually a materialist standpoint and an objectifying standpoint to be like to not ever put women on a pedestal, because I see like like my wife is my soulmate. And I, I feel like what David said about the like expanding generations, I'm like, I've definitely known her for thousands and millions of years. And like, like when through that perspective, we are kind of objects, right? We're just vessels for a soul. So there's nothing really inherently wrong with that kind of objectification. It, it, it's it's coming from a place of love you know it's like yeah if it's objectifying it's like well okay i i kind of am an object i'm a vessel like uh, i'm in love with this spirit that has been 
that that I've known since the beginning of time, basically. I think sure. that Brendan is going to start going to church, and he's going to make eye contact with some cute little thing sitting in the pew, and I think, I think that's I think that that's my prediction. That's where your life is going. That's that's oh. what I see happening. Nice, dude. This whole this whole uh, going to church is going to like tie threads together for you. I think you're going to be like, oh right, got it. So I think it's good, man. I'm really happy Thanks. to hear that you're that you're, you know, that this uh, you know spiritual journey is uh, is is starting out, and you know you're you're very enthusiastic. And if there's anybody who deserves uh, love, it's a person like you, and I mean that oh. sincerely. Uh, oh my goodness! Thank so, you, David. I'm you're moved. Welcome, I'm, I'm legitimately moved. Well, good, good. Uh, thank you very much for coming on our show. Did you want to, uh, ap- after we had a heady conversation about love, did you want to plug anything? Tales yes. from the Mall? Yes. So, okay. So Tales from the Mall is on Apple Podcasts and uh, Spotify. I have not yet removed my podcast from Spotify, despite uh, their, <laughs> anti- their anti-science um, <laughs> stance. Um uh, and also on Apple Podcasts and Spotify is the show that you should you should definitely catch up on, because there's going to be new episodes of it, and that is the Isolation Chamber, which is a radio Ooh. drama that I that I write and uh, and I'm and I'm in and the new episodes are are going to be produced by a great friend of mine named John Dios, who you may know from Twitter and, and being on on various being you know guesting on various podcasts, but also being the producer, the Holy Agony. He's, he's, so we're going to do two. We, we've got two more episodes. You know, there was a little bit of a hiatus, but the show's back and it's going to come out and you can get that on Apple and Spotify as well. Oh, and oh, and Apocalypse Confidential is a is a as uh, a literary magazine. Um, and uh, and you should read you should read every single piece that we have on that website. Apocalypseconfidential.com. Co-sign. Oh, yeah, I've got a I've got an excerpt coming out soon. Yeah, so I heard. That's great. That's great, man. The Apocalypse Confidential guys, I we is kind of like we're like a fraternity, and it's really fun to be a part of. Absolutely. All right. Thanks, man. No, no. Thank you, guys. You guys are excellent.